Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, I'm going to start off with, with an apology to our loyal listeners for yeah. us taking a break the past two weeks. Yes, we we will be better or do better as the as the be better young, the folks the young folks say be better. We have been delinquent. We don't want to stress anyone yeah. out. Um, so we apologize for that. Um, I am going to start off with some eighties nostalgia and you're going to really love this one. Okay. So in 1986, this week, the album 5150 by Van Halen knocked Whitney Houston out of the top spot (laughs) of the billboard album charts today in 1986, which was the year I graduated from high school, which this was the soundtrack of our graduation in the whole summer. The album featured big singles, Why Can't This Be Love, Dreams, and Love Comes Walking In. So since we have our ongoing dispute about who was the better Van Halen frontman, what's his name? David Lee Roth? Oh, my God. Or Sammy Hagar. You know that. (laughs) So there we are. Just wanted to. So I'll be jamming out to that. I have it on my list. One of my favorite albums of all time. And I urge you, know, you people to listen to that. And then 1984, which was a good album. And you you decide, <laughs> fair listeners. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, a couple days ago I saw this article and I was going to send it to you. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to save it for the podcast. Oh. And I true. think it's very relevant. And this article um, – or this story is in many outlets, but the one I'm just going to read to you is happens to be from Fox News, which we'll be talking about shortly. And the title is Sammy Hagar slams David Lee Roth, comma, claims, quote, he ain't like his persona. So when I saw that, I just thought that was really funny. I was like, oh, I got to tell Julie. And apparently um, Sammy was on Steve-O's Wild Ride podcast. I guess everybody has a podcast now, even Steve-O, um, who was in Jackass, right? Is that where he's from? Oh, I that, don't I don't know. I, yeah, I don't either, but I think he's from that franchise Jackass of, like, white guys doing stupid, dangerous shit on MTV. Yes. Um, anyway, so he was on that podcast, and he said about – this is what Sammy Hagar said about David Lee Roth, quote, he's not a fun guy. He doesn't play well with others. I'm not sure what his problem is, Hager said. He just always is about, how can I make this guy look bad? And it's not just me. He's a chest-beating motherfucker. Whoa. And God bless him, because the early stuff is freaking great. So, you know, we will be discussing the Hagar versus David Lee Roth controversy until a deferred Forever. eternity. Forever. It is, it's an eternal... I will still it's an eternal it. quagmire, if you will. Um, but and yeah. I'm not saying 5150 isn't a good album. Um, and I'm not even because I, I would say that 5150 is better than Whitney Houston. Don't come for me, people. Now, I, <laughs> I, I have a much more I have a greater appreciation for Whitney Houston now than when I was in high school. And I, oh, I yeah, think when totally. you totally. Yes. Yeah. When you mature, so much of your identity, when you know, when you're in high school, so much of your identity is connected to what kind of music you like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that if we go back and remember our high school lunchroom, you know, all the where you can kind of see the clicks, who knows how things are now. I don't even know what the hell is going on in the high schools today. But back in the day, you could look at people and you could tell, you know, you had the heavy metal people with the the big hair and the satin pants and a white snake shirt. Um, you know, you had the band geeks. It's very much like what you saw in The Breakfast Club. Um, yes. The great one of the greatest movies ever made. So, um, yeah, I, I was not a Whitney Houston fan in high school. I was a punker. Um, but now that I'm we older, not I do sitting at the same lunch table. Liz. We would not. No. Indeed. Mm-mm. We would not. Um, it's okay. We're but so I think now, up. yeah. Oh no, we would, we wouldn't. Um, and I wouldn't be hanging out with the Whitney Houston crowd either. Um, but I think, I think as you mature, you sort of have a appreciation for different genres of music just based on talent rather than just how you identify. Um, I think that's so, so true. And I, I did like like Whitney Houston. But as you get older, you do appreciate their talent. And I will say, aside from her, the person who the last few years I've sort of been listening to and don't laugh people, but this is just how multidimensional I am. Like you think I'm just a deaf leopard person, but I'm not, I have a soft side. And the person who I like have a new appreciation for is Lionel Richie. I love Lionel Richie. A hundred percent. Stuff is not really good. Yeah. Could not agree with you more. Okay. So talented. So um, I know you're more of a fitness person than I am, but I do have a treadmill and I actually get on it sometimes. I like waddle over to it, you know, and just like waddle, get on my treadmill and kind of waddle on my treadmill for 30 minutes. Um, but my like my playlist for the treadmill would not be friends with the person in high school. You know, like the person who listens to music on the treadmill is not that I'm the totally different in high school. So do you have a run? I know you run. So do you have a play? Do you listen to music when you run? And what, what do you listen to? I do. So, and I would say I rather jog these days um, just because, you know, I'm in my mid fifties. So I want to keep my knees strong for things that I really like, like tennis and my newfound appreciation also for pickleball which isn't physically intensive, but it still keeps you moving. So um, my playlist is pretty diverse. I I mean, it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't really have Lionel Richie on it, I don't think. But of course, it's loaded with 80s stuff. But it's a mix from like Whitesnake, um, Van Halen, Duff Leopard. I've got some Metallica on there. Um, Rick Springfield, I will say, is an underrated track for uh, any kind of fast movement. That's always good. So it's it's sort of a mixed bag. Um, yeah, I think. Um, but there it, is no think, REM or Depeche Mode or. Well, I don't think Depeche Mode is not treadmill music. So I'll tell you what's on my list. And it's it's diverse because, you know, when you're talking about movement, it's all about the, the right beat. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to hit the right. You got to have a song that hit that beat that you want to step to. So my list is is disco heavy (laughs) okay yes that's good I mean because it's got the right beat and I'm short so you know someone who's taller can maybe live listen to like a faster beat but my legs are short because I'm short so um I cannot you know I'm not gonna run I have so many injuries from my athletic youth that I can't really do high impact running but you know a great 
song staying alive it's got a good beat you warm up to you know it's just got that beat so i have a lot of like jackson michael actually jackson five jackson's um commodores just a lot of different um more disco songs also um i know this isn't going to be popular with our listeners but i do have some lizzo's about damn time that's got a good beat no that's an awesome song that's it is Yes. And so because that one, like and a I throwback say, song when music used to be fun, right? We don't have that anymore. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. And then um, Florida, uh, what is it? Now I can't even remember the name Florida? of it. Florida? Florida or whatever you say. However, look at that. I'm not, I'm not cool and I don't pretend to be. I say things like Florida and it's Florida. <laughs> um, you know the one, the apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, that song? Yes. Yes. Um, that's another catchy. So yeah. So now I'm so I'm so glad we're having this moment where we're like revealing our 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 treadmill and act, active active playlists. Um, well, listeners, but I don't share have some of your mode. favorite. Share some of your your favorite workout song. What you want me to share? No, some our of listeners. Them? Oh our yeah, li- on Twitter, tweet at us. You could pick yours. I can I go first. I'm gonna say Thunderstruck by ACDC. That really that's gets a good me. that's a good song. Um, but like it Florida. is really like the the great equalizer when you are looking for that music because again you got to get the the beat right and that's not that's not exclusive to a specific genre. You know, like either the song's got the right beat or it doesn't. So true. Um, that's a good that's a good song. I'm trying to remember think of some other peppy songs that I have on my. Staying Alive, I just think, is a really good one because um, it's just got that that thump kind of like beat going. Yes. Um, but I don't listen to I don't listen to Depeche Mode. I don't have any like punk songs. Those are things I play in the car when I'm by myself and I can scream, you know, which I think we all have good reason to do nowadays um, <laughs> where you can really get into it. Uh, one of my favorites to do this is uh, anything by PIL, Public Image Limited. Um, this is not a love song. Great one to scream to. Uh, <laughs> anyway, enough of digressing. You're screaming music. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, this is, so, this is a good start. Yeah. So let's talk about the big news this week, probably this news of the century um, of the of my lifetime. Um, just Speaking completely of unex, un, unexpected, <laughs> really unexpected. And I think Julie and I are really smart. It's hard to shock us where the news is concerned. You know, we're, 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 we're kind of, uh, what's, what's the word skeptic, not skeptics, but you know, you know, we, we, nothing's off the table would really surprise us, but right. we did get surprised this week. I think I know I did. Yes. When the news broke that Fox News fired Tucker Carlson, also known on the show as St. Tucker of Carlson. <laughs> um, just really shocking. I think everybody was shocked. Um, Julie was shocked. I was paralyzed. I guess I don't even know how to describe how insane it was. Because and you, obviously, you watch every, you're, you're not awake at when Tucker's on, but you do watch it when you wake up at 3 a.m., right? Yes, I do. And um, I was, am a former Fox uh, Nation subscriber. Um, not Ditto. anymore. Same. Uh, 
canceled. His, Tucker's long form shows where he talks to someone for an hour are so good. He's such a great interviewer. Obviously, Julie's been on there. Um, so he has Julie Kelly caliber of guests. You know what I mean? Like, Aww. really, he, but also very, very, um, uh, like, I don't want to say eclectic, but it, it's not just political. He has all kinds of interesting people on there that are not political figures. Like, a couple weeks ago, he interviewed Scott Hamilton, who was a ice skater, you know, the oh, ice yeah. skater. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just he had the guy from Shark Tank, whose name I can't remember, but one of the guys from Shark Tank. So he's not specifically political. It's just really a great show if you want to see someone interesting get really interviewed by a, a good interviewer. Anyway, so Fox News the week before settled their lawsuit against Dominion for, I don't know, almost $900 billion dollars. And shortly thereafter, they we got the notice that Tucker was he was he wasn't fired. So because if you're fired, then you're just free and clear of the of a company. Right. If you get fired from somewhere, you're out. Right. Tucker isn't really fired. Tucker's under contract because in media, that's how it works, especially if you're a personality um, and you have a brand. When you work at a network, you you have an agent, you have lawyers that do nothing but entertainment based contracts. So there are big, fancy contracts involved and he is still under contract. And so I think if he were fired, just fired, he would be his contract would be over and he could just go, you know, he could be on YouTube or whatever. Um, But he's just not allowed to do a show anymore, but he's still under contract. Which means that he can't do anything else. Um, I know from friends that are also work at Fox that they are very controlling about where you appear off of Fox News. Um, like if we wanted to have somebody on who is got a Fox News contract, which we have, but there are rules about it. So anyway, he's basically like muzzled and tied up in a box and we're kind of waiting to see what where that goes down so julie what were your what are your thoughts well i have sort of a funny story of how i heard the news i was in dc monday for the closing arguments for the proud boys trial and i like they have a media room which is usually very um jam-packed with reporters who are from, you know, left-wing corporate media. So I, but I like to be in the courtroom so I could see who's coming in and out. I can watch the jury. I can, you know, sort of see the interactions, watch the judge. Um, But you can't have any devices. You can't have your phone on like you have these very militant (laughs) court um, security people who just, glare at you so your phone has to be completely off which is fine so I'm you know writing and I feel this tap on my back and I turn around and it's Ryan Riley with NBC News who covers January 6th and we have we he's I don't want to say anyway we have a respectable relationship let's just say that that way like I I criticize his work he criticizes mine we have some interesting conversations about what's happening anyway I feel this tap Turn around. I'm like, what? He's like, Tucker just got fired. 
And of course, I'm on the defense side with the family members and other people who are sort of, you know, aligned with the defendants. And I'm like, what? He goes, Tucker just got fired. Of course, he has this shit eating eating grin yeah. from ear to ear. I'm like, Ryan, calm down. It's not like Christmas morning. Relax. And um, he's like, I just I said, did they release a statement? And he goes, yeah, they did. I said, OK, all right. Well, thanks for letting me know. You know, I'm not going to get too overly excited. So he had run up from the media room. He wanted to <laughs> just, tell you. Just to tell me. Yes. And then he left. So Julie, I, you it, know that he has told that story to at least 100 people. He posted it on Twitter. It's hilarious. Wait, he posted that he told Julie Kelly that Tucker yes. Carlson was fired? Yes. Because oh. I tweeted, oh. no one, oh. you know, thank you for, you know, it was kind of a shout out to Tucker for having me on so much talking about January 6th, truth and justice. So he... He quote tweeted that and explained how he he went to the courtroom to tell me. And uh, he's like, you know, I went up there. I'm like more like skipped, you know, so I replied to him. But, yes, he was very proud that he was the one who told me about Tucker. So that's how he found out. But, Liz, I will say I'm very glad I was not in that media room when that announcement was made because Ooh. you had every corporate reporter, NBC, you know, Politico. Um, New York, you know, all of the main corporate Yahoo News, um, CNN. So I'm glad I was not in there to hear the reaction. They would have all turned to look at you and started taking pictures and been like, this is Julie Kelly. The moment she found out that Tucker Carlson was fired. (laughs) Exactly. It was it was very alarming. So anyway, then, of course, my phone is blowing up. And then these reporters are asking me, what do you hear? What do you know? Um, I'm like, I I don't know. You know, everyone's shocked, which everyone was shocked. No one saw this coming, right? Well, it was it was so shocking because Tucker Carlson is the number one rated show on cable, not just Fox. I mean, obviously on Fox by far, but on cable, knowing that you would want to wonder why would you fire someone? I mean, Fox and all these cable stations. Well, not all of them, because you do wonder how some people have kept their jobs. Oh, sorry. Don Lemon also got fired. No one cares. Um, right. But Tucker had such good ratings. It wouldn't doesn't make any sense to fire basically your cash cow. And not only that, because I think cable as a medium is dying as streaming becomes more uh, ubiquitous you you even have cars now with internet. You can listen to streaming. You don't need to like tune into the radio anymore. So people are really used to now getting content from streaming medium. So having a cable station, you know, I think that that those that's going by the wayside. But Fox knows this, and like many other outlets, has an exclusive and separate digital product called Fox Nation, where you can actually subscribe and watch it on your computer or on your TV. If you have a smart TV, don't get a smart TV. They're horrible, but whatever, different, different show. Um, And so you could stream that content. And then they had even more shows with different personalities. They had a lot more content. Tucker had his own documentary series. And then also um, th- three times a week, he would do a long form interview with the guest which mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier. Also, Julie Kelly did one as well. And a lot of people subscribed to Fox Nation because of Tucker. 
And that's where they were making a lot of money because Fox News has been, and specifically Tucker, has been the target of these lefty groups that make it their mission to scare away advertisers. And so that's why the only commercials uh, during Tucker's show are the My Pillow guy and the vitamins that are made out of dried fruit, right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, thing exactly. of nature. Right. And then and then William Devane telling you to buy gold. Like that's it. Because <laughs> you know, if you tune tune into Rachel Maddow or Jake Tapper, you're gonna see Nissan commercials and right. probably Bud Bud Light commercials too. I guess we For could sure. talk about that one too later. But you're gonna see regular household brands, but you're not on Fox because there are lefty groups that have made it their mission to um make sure that advertisers don't want to advertise. Now a result of that is having a subscription service like Fox Nation, where I'm sure many, many people that are Tucker fans, not Fox fans, but Tucker fans, pay that $10 a month or whatever it is, $100 a year, and to watch, to get the extra Tucker content. And then also you can watch the, you know, the next day or you can watch the shows shows that aired. Um, now, that's a huge money that's a, a big source of income for Fox. Will it matter? I know I canceled Fox Nation and sent I them a too. message which said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, that was my message to them. But that and it was that, I, I actually saw the, the screenshot of it. Julie saw I sent the screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, here you go. Here's a message. Right. Um, so they're going to lose money. It just seems at face value that they're acting against their interest by firing basically the big cash cow and the most popular show um, on, on Fox. And of course the ratings are in the shitter now for their, for the, that eight o'clock hour um, and dragging down the shows that coasted on him like Hannity. And then afterwards, Laura Ingram. So, uh, right. It, it what makes was no the sense. latest? What were the latest just for people who don't follow this as closely? As we do, the latest um, ratings, here they are. Let's see. I mean, they're crashing. So It's Fox like Brian News, Stelter. It's basically like a, what, if Brian Stelter did the show. Like so Wednesday that night, so Tucker usually pulls in between three or four million, right? Somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. And Wednesday night was 1.3 million. Now, of course, this has a downstream effect, right? So, you know, maybe people like the five or they're going to watch – Fred Bear, or maybe even Jesse Waters, but then the TVs are shut off. So you've got, this will have an impact on Hannity, Laura Ingram, who's on after that, Greg Gutfeld, like you turn off your TV at eight o'clock, seven o'clock central time, or you're watching something else. You're not going back, right? You're not going to go back to Fox. You're right. Probably. Um, do you yeah. want to go through that Breitbart piece? though that came up today because oh, yeah. you, you found that and you, I think have some insight as to the veracity of it, which seems legit, but there's a lot to unpack there. And I think that people should, should start to understand that this is not just Tucker, you know, not just getting advertisers. It's not about his uh, segments about Ray apps. Um, I don't, I mean, it is about Ukraine war in a bigger sense, uh, but this is really, this is very ominous and sinister what this network is is doing. So want, you want to go through that a little bit so people can understand what's happening? Yeah. So there's a great piece um, at Breitbart 
by Matt Boyle, who's a friend of mine and also um, really an was Tucker was his mentor. Um, Tucker hired Matt out of college and um, Matt was like a young, you know, ex- excited, you know, journalist way back in the day. So um, I, I, I believe that the the stuff that is revealed in this article is true and also meshes with the things I've heard from my sources because everybody went to call people what's going on what do you know what's happening um and so stuff I've heard it, it, this is consistent with that um and Matt is in a position to kind of know what's going on so as I mentioned earlier it just kind of makes no sense on its face why would you fire the most popular and most attractive feature on your on your media channel um and in in this article it 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 comes out and says you know their their purpose is to sideline tucker he has two years left in his contract and really their intent is to shut is to shut tucker up not just by taking him off the air at fox which they've done but he can't go do something else. He can't say, I'm doing the Tucker Carlson hour on Rumble. He can't go on another network. He can't say, I'm starting up, you know, Carlson America, you know, media company. He can't do any of that. And so there, so like, it's important to know that Tucker isn't fired in the sense that we think about being fired. <laughs> He's still like controlled by Fox. and. If you don't know already, just a little bit of background, the Murdochs are really kind of cucky conservatives, if at all. They're not real conservatives. The Wall Street Journal is very kind of moderate, establishment supporting, and really Fox News is, I think, more been more liberal gets gotten progressively liberal because <clears throat> they have someone like Tucker on who carries them because if they were just going to be super establishment they their numbers would just be just a fraction i think of what they were with Tucker there so they don't like Tucker's content too i mean don't it's not just about it's not personal like we want to screw Tucker personally they don't like what Tucker says Tucker is very powerful in the sense that he is the only person in a high profile position that represents the actual Republican Party, not the Republicans that are in the Senate, which they represent nobody, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so Mitch McConnell saying like the most important thing is the Ukraine, you know, Ukraine war. They they don't represent anyone. But Tucker is very influential and he is really representative. And so the things that he would talk about are not are the things that the establishment would prefer not be talked about. And so getting kicking him off the air is just basically to, I think, try and quilt his his influence. And so that is really the heart of this this article. Um, Also, Dan Bongino, who was. Uh, had a contract dispute as well. Although I don't think he's in the same position. They're not trying to muzzle him. Like they're not, they don't want to keep him in a prison cell until the contract, whereas I think his contract is already up. So anyway, they, so the Murdochs really dislike Tucker and they dislike what Tucker says. And they really, and I don't know if you've noticed, and I'm not saying Tucker is like a Trumpaloo. I don't think he is a Trumpaloo 
or 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 not. Um, I think he's pretty fair, objective, just <clears throat> dealing with the Trump and the presidential race, you know, as kind of objectively as he can. So I don't I don't think it's that. But even being fair to Trump is unacceptable because Fox is very anti-Trump. So and their coverage and their like the Brett Bear and the more cucky people there are very anti-Trump. And um, so that's also something to keep in mind is that I think Tucker was more fair uh, with regard to Trump and they don't like Trump. So um, that's the gist of the article is that the purpose really is to keep Tucker out of the public until the end of 2024. I think his contract is up in December 2024, which means, of course, the election will be in November of 2024. So that keeps Tucker out of not just Fox, but out of the public dialogue and discourse and influence around yeah. the 2024 election. <clears throat> um, very, very disgusting. Uh, but Tucker has hired a excellent lawyer. Um, he's hired the same lawyer Megan Kelly had when she had her NBC dispute. Um so I'm hopeful that he can figure out some way. I mean, Tucker doesn't really need the money. So, you, could, you know, it's not like the some of the people there, you you know, if you get if you're making five million dollars a year, you know, there's not a lot of places you can go to match that. So, no, there isn't. And, um, you know, you saw the gloating even by rhino Republicans. And then there was an article that Pentagon officials were very relieved that Tucker had been pulled off the air. And some Republican, it was probably Lindsey Graham or some mittens, low life like that. Cocaine mitts. Could have been mittens. I mean, really, it could have been any Republican senator except maybe two or three. 49 to choose from. (laughs) Um, who said, well, this will help galvanize public support for the Ukraine war because Tucker was raising questions, which we should be, about in, in inviting representatives um, like that. What's his name? Not McFall. Who's head of the. Oh, um, Mike McCall. McCall. Right. Yeah. So he's inviting these people to come on his show and defend their votes and defend the fact that they're prioritizing funding for Ukraine over anything else, say securing our border. But Politico had so and then Dan Crenshaw just came out. I patch McCain. Yes. That was Tucker's nickname for him. And said, I've shed many tears over Tucker Carlson losing the show. Many, many tears. Crenshaw added that he was being really fucking sarcastic. So you have this little whatever you want to call him. Dan Crenshaw, who has been targeted by Tucker, no doubt, um, who I believe never had the guts to actually go on Tucker's show and debate him about pushing so hard for the uh, Ukraine war. Never had the guts to do that. But of course, he's, you know, armchair warrior. Um, I mean, he is a veteran. He did lose an eye. So I don't want to take that away from him. But that does not give you free reign to engage the United States in another war just because you're a veteran. Um You know, Tom Tillis has come out. He said that this won't make any difference. You know, there are 330 million people in the country. He has an audience of 3 million. I don't think he had that much influence. Um, Let's see. Who else did you have? John Thune, um, who is the number two Republican, who I think is poised to take over if Mitch McConnell leaves one way or the other. 
national security <laughs> issues, those are for most members a responsibility they take very seriously. Yes, there are influencers out there, but I don't think one way or other that swings votes. Well, I don't think that's true. Tucker put a lot of pressure on these House Republicans and senators pushing so hard for the war. Um, Lindsey Graham I mean, look, called just it to, just to show how much influence Tucker has. He, Kevin McCarthy gave him all of the surveillance footage for J6, and yeah. that didn't happen because Tucker's like an uninfluential pissant. You know, I mean, that was a smart move by McCarthy. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to, you know, I want to co- contrast that with these little fuckers in the Senate going, oh, I don't think he's really going to matter that much. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing that they are going to downplay this because, you know, this was a big win for the pro-Ukraine you know, warmongers, neocons, which makes up almost the entirety of Senate Republicans and a good chunk of House Republicans. So, you know, who's going to be raising these questions now vocally like Tucker has about what's happening in the Ukraine war, the uncovering the lies, where's the money going? All of those questions that, you know, Republicans do not want to answer is people like John Thune and Susan Collins and Mitch McConnell go over to Ukraine and grovel before Zelensky as he picks their pockets, our pockets, uh, with no accountability. Yeah, that was um, that was disgusting to have all these Republicans and, you know, the media like couldn't call them up fast enough to get some quote on the record. What do you think? Right. What do you think? Um, but. Tucker's not gone like he's not going anywhere. And to be honest, I think he'll be bigger than he was at Fox. Yes. Um, Because, I, I mean, obviously, a lot of people have come out, a lot of uh, outlets and news outlets have come out and said, oh, um, we have extended, uh, you know, an offer to Tucker to come on board. You know, I think the blaze did. I think. Like, I'm sure I'm sure Ben Shapiro (laughs) called him right away. We want to come to Daily Wire. You know, everybody probably did. So he'll have no. And then, of course, Tucker started the Daily Caller. So he has infinite options. He's also very good friends. A lot of people like Tucker who are really rich. Um, One of the last interviews uh, he did was with Elon Musk. Um, So I don't think he's going to have a problem. Like, you know, is he just going to crawl under and rock and be like, I guess I give up? No, he's not. And if he's smart, if he listens to Happy Hour with Julian Liz, Tucker, start your own thing. Don't you don't need to go anywhere that already exists. Start your own company that you totally control. Um, but I I'm I'm optimistic that he is going to be able to get out of get out of this situation. I think if Fox, the the worse it gets, like the the worst Fox is to get Tucker to to shut up and keep him in this little contract jail. The angrier people are going to get at Fox and there's it's going to get you're going to get it's going to get worse. I think their their numbers. People will really, really be angry. I that that's my my opinion. I don't know. I, I just don't see them fighting to keep Tucker shut up for two years. And the viewers who watch Fox are like, oh, that's I don't care. It's fine. I think it looks bad. What about Julie? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think it it looks very bad. And let's just hope that Fox News keep, you know, gets the 
comeuppance that they deserve, that they really have been. Because, and I will say too, as obviously someone, person on the right who covers January 6th every day, that has been completely blacklisted at Fox News, except for Tucker and occasionally Laura Ingram. I was on Mark Levin's show, I think once or twice I do is I've done his radio show and Dan Bongino also, who also cut ties with Fox a week before Tucker did or Tucker did <laughs> before that news um, was on his show. But there are no other uh, hosts or anchors on Fox who will touch January 6th, will not have me on. And I've heard this firsthand from people who know this. No, they're not so, allowed to talk. They're not allowed to talk about it. Like right. it's. It's it's pretty well known that they're not allowed to cover it. And I, I think I heard that Tucker in Tucker's contract, he has written in there that they cannot do anything about his content, that he doesn't need to go get approval to to do the do do shows where I think maybe other people on that network do have to go through that kind of process. Right. right. And Tucker has it so that he doesn't have to do that. Um, which, of course, is probably why they got rid of him, because he can do what, <clears throat> whatever he wants and they don't like what he chose to do. So um, but you're 100 percent right. They there is Tucker was really the only one that that covered J6 and and not covered J6 the way that the mainstream media covers it in passing, but actually talked to people like Julie talk to um, the families of some of the J6 victims, um, had on Darren Beatty, who talked about J6 and the, the pipe bombs. I mean, who really gave it a, a fair a fair and accurate coverage. So that's gone now. Yeah, um, much is. like the establishment GOP, who can't run away fast enough from J6. That's why they're not doing anything to help these people or hold the executive branch accountable for the way that they're carrying out these uh, this their their big witch hunt. So, well, speaking uh, of which, <clears throat> yeah, um, as we sort of move on from that, but it is relevant. The Proud Boys trial, which I've been covering, which went to the jury finally Tuesday afternoon, really Wednesday morning. Um, Fox News, really no one on the right except American Greatness has covered this at all. A very consequential four-month trial setting very dangerous precedents, um, case law and otherwise, for criminalizing political dissent. It's First Amendment case with, you know, some other minor offenses. One guy broke a window, you know, they were on Capitol grounds, you know, with Ray Epps, by the way, not still does not face any charges. Um, so. Um, but this is mostly based on chatter in encrypted group chats and on Parler, 500,000 messages that the DOJ obtained and called through. Many of the messages could be attributed to FBI informants, who knows who else, co-conspirators who were never identified, never charged. Anyway, it's a very relevant case um, about how this DOJ is criminalizing political activity, political speech. No one gives a shit because we were told the Proud Boys are white supremacist militiamen loyal to Donald Trump. Christopher A. considers them domestic terrorists, so no one should be defending them or anything that's happening, you know, that the government is uh, uh, that the government is trying to do. They should not be criticized at any rate. 
I've been covering it and my piece up today is how the outcome of this trial is very relevant to the what I believe is certain criminal indictments against Donald Trump. And the reason why this case is um, so uh, important to DOJ and Special Prosecutor Jack Smith is because Trump was a central figure in this trial. They didn't call him a co-conspirator, but basically he is. So on Monday, when the government started their opening uh, or their closing arguments, the very first clip they played, Liz, was Trump's offhanded remark in the September presidential debate where after being goaded by Chris Wallace and Joe Biden to condemn so-called militia groups, trying to compare them to BLM and Antifa, which, of course, there's no comparison. Joe Biden tells him specifically to denounce the Proud Boys. So Trump says, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. That was the first clip played in their closing arguments. Now, it was probably maybe the fourth time they've played that clip to the jury. So it's very clear. And then one of the prosecutor, the uh, assistant U.S. attorney who did the closing arguments later said that these defendants, these five men on trial for seditious conspiracy and other um, counts, that they considered themselves Trump's army. So you have that piece right there. Two defense attorneys also blame Donald Trump for their client's actions, um, pointing to the December 19th, 2020 tweet, uh, you know, to go to D.C. on January 6th will be wild. That date, by the way, is the exact date that the DOJ claims the seditious conspiracy plan got underway. So that's not a coincidence. Um, they also cited his um, his speech at the ellipse, um, you know, to uh, fight like hell. So they used that in closings. But also don't forget, Liz, that the January 6th Select Committee sent four criminal referrals to the Department of Justice, one for inciting insurrection, conspiracy to obstruct Congress, um, I think conspiracy to tamper with evidence. It's all in my column today. But they also suggested that DOJ or excuse me, Jack Smith look into possible charges for seditious conspiracy. They, named, they cited the Oath Keepers. Two men were convicted after a September trial for seditious conspiracy. A few others have pleaded guilty, and then they specifically mentioned the Proud Boys trial. So this is the line from December 19th, well, really September 2020, all the way through these plea deals and trials ending with what happens with the Proud Boys. And I think Jack Smith is waiting to find out what happens in this trial if any of them are convicted with seditious conspiracy, there has to be two, at least two, um, then he will have all the ammo he needs to present that evidence to a grand jury and seek criminal indictments for the very same charge. That's pretty alarming stuff. Um, and so that's why this trial matters and people can catch up with my coverage. I posted a lot on Twitter, court motions, but I have articles at American Greatness also. Do you what do you think about the verdict do you think that you will get the will they get the con, sorry the seditious conspiracy charges um what's your thought i know they're in dc so it's not a fair right you know, here not, here's the problem and here's a tiny bright spot 
The problem is that DOJ has a near perfect conviction rate. There is no way this trial of Proud Boys should ever have been allowed to be conducted in Washington, D.C. Judge Tim Kelly is an absolute disgrace. Republicans should impeach him for his conduct in this case specifically. He repeatedly refused not just to move this trial out of D.C. to another jurisdiction, you know, for a year or so. But, Liz, at the very same time jury selection was underway, the January 6th Select Committee, which only people in Washington, D.C. were watching at that point, right? December 20th, no one cared. America's moved on. So um, at the very same time jury selection is underway, the January 6th Committee is holding its final televised performance. They are mentioning the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys is mentioned 90 plus times in its final report, also issued at the end of December when um, jury selection was being handled. The conflict is so egregious and Judge Tim Kelly did not care. And they seated a biased jury, Roger Parloff, no right winger, who writes for Lawfare, Ben Ben Wittes is outlet, um, also noted the bias of the jury that was seated. But here's here's a tiny upside. And, and the burden of proof for conspiracy, seditious conspiracy, is very low. I mean, the prosecutor and the jury instructions basically say you don't even have to openly agree to it. You don't even have to know what it is. The prosecutor said it could be a wink and a nod. But that's ridiculous. It, it, It's preposterous, Liz, but this is what's happening, and that's why this case is so relevant, because you're basically saying if a bunch of people go to some rally, it ends up in violence or whatever happens. You storm, say, the Tennessee legislature. Of course, that's not going to happen in that case, but this is how low the bar is. It's laughable, but this is going to be the legal and judicial imprimatur on political activity and speech in the future. Um, so the only thing is these jurors have been tortured for four months in this trial. The government's case in chief lasted 11 weeks, repeating themselves over and over, showing the same videos, asking witnesses the same questions, whether they were FBI agents, police officers, like they really overbaked their case. My view is if you're going to spend four months away from your life, and I really did feel sorry for these jurors. Imagine having to do this every day. They're all wearing masks. You know, there's tons of sidebars that waste a lot of time. Um, I don't know that you're going to want to take four months of your life and just be like, yeah, we're going to convict all these guys because I want to just go on. You know, so it went to the jury really late Tuesday, say Wednesday morning. We're recording on Friday morning. The jury is going to be excused at 1.30 Friday afternoon. A juror has a previous medical or some sort of an appointment. They have been asking for exhibits, um, which could be one of two things. They want to make it look like they're really deliberating this or they really are going through this very carefully. At any rate, the fact that they didn't turn around after four months and I think 48 pages of jury instruction come back, you know, Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning with all guilty verdicts is a teeny tiny good sign. But I still, you know, am very skeptical that they're going to come away with with acquittals um, on these major charges. I will be shocked uh, and I will be thrilled that these prosecutors, DOJ, Matthew Graves's office, the D.C. U.S. attorney, Matthew Graves, who showed up Monday morning 
to watch the closing arguments because, of course, there's no crime in D.C. Everything's handled so he could take time away to go watch this closing argument. Um, and especially Judge Tim Kelly, if there are acquittals on these major charges, will be the greatest little grain of justice in this January 6th persecution since over the past two and a half years. Yeah, I don't really I mean, I think it's like a a done deal. And that's yeah. really unfortunate. So is there any um, trajectory for appeal on this? Can oh, my God. Pro- so many. So many. I mean, I was talking to, a, I would say, not a sympathetic January 6th reporter who also was going through all the ways this could be appealed. And well, all of that- it really related to Judge Tim Kelly's egregious. Un- I mean, he's he's not just an extra lawyer for the government side. And he is a Trump appointee. He worked for the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. He's a Justice Department official. Right. And his wife works for Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor. Mm. She's like a top Mm. advisor or top um, cabinet level uh, official for Muriel Bowser. There is no way he should be handling this trial. Um, So there are many appealable facets, decisions that he's made. So it will definitely be appealed. But look, these guys have been in prison, four of them, since the spring of 20 winter of 2021. Um, so he's fully invested in justifying his decision to deny bail to these men, keep them behind bars as DOJ dragged on, uh, delayed this trial into December of 2022. So Kelly wants to make sure that denying these men bail, three of them veterans, one of them a Purple Heart recipient, none of them with a criminal record that he was justified in what he did, tormenting these men, destroying them, destroying their families, bankrupting them. Um, so it's really, it just, it turns my stomach what's happened in this case. Well, it does seem like not only are there many different routes to appeal just because this judge is, was so, so bad, but the appellate process is very different than, than this. So Yes. If there were actual legal, I mean, the appellate judges are going to look strictly on how was the trial conducted and was it, you know, fo- did it follow the rules that it's supposed to follow? And based on what you said, it was like Mr. What is it? Mr. Toad's wild ride that that it didn't, which means that the the an appellate court isn't going to think about the Proud Boys or Trump or anything. It's strictly like a formality, like did this follow the proper form? And if it didn't, it can get some of this stuff can get thrown overturned. Um, so it, at least I guess that's an option. Then, Well, the obstruction of an official proceeding, the 1512 C2 that has been slapped against at least 300 Trump supporters, Americans, that is headed to the um, Supreme court. There was a very splintered decision. It, they, uh, Nick Smith, who's the defense attorney for one of the Proud Boys, also um, represented defense uh, in in this appeal because this was a post Enron law that dealt with evidence tampering. So this will also go to the Supreme Court. I believe the seditious conspiracy charge will be, too, because no American has ever been convicted of it. It's a post Civil War statute. It, It has nothing to do with I walked in the Capitol for 15 minutes without a, you know, 
firearm without a weapon. I walked around. I yelled at a few police officers and walked out. But, oh, yeah, we talked about traveling to D.C. for three weeks. Like, that's the crux of the government's case. So, but this is going to be a long, torturous process for the victims of this DOJ um, yeah, so, I mean, you're you're supposed to be we're 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 all supposed to be entitled to like a swift justice, you know, not this because, like you mentioned, it the appeal process is not quick either, and getting a case to the Supreme Court, going up this the sort of process to get to the Supreme Court is 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 a long process. Years, yep, yeah. So these people are, you know, it. I mean, on the one hand, it's nice to say at the end of the day, they might be finally treated fairly, but at the cost of what, four years or five years or six years of their life, some much of which was spent being locked, locked up, not to mention the ritual defamation um, of these of these men and their names. I mean, at the, let's say that's right. Let's just say that it, there is justice in the end. Let's say it goes to the Supreme Court and they're like this seditious conspiracy, crazy obstruction of an official proceeding is crazy. Um, but what's going to happen to these these people? I mean, I'm sure marriages are falling apart. Families are estranged. Where is it? Where's jobs are lost. Businesses are failed. Oh, what's businesses, gonna... businesses destroyed, even men who had trespassing charges. I mean, this has never happened in American history, but the men who now are these guys will even if they're acquitted, Liz. Yeah. And I mean, this happened. This happened in Whitmer. The two men who were acquitted um, of attempting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and their defense attorneys convinced a jury it was an FBI entrapment plot, which of course it was. They still can't get jobs. They can't get their names back in Michigan. Um, so it's really. I mean, it's chilling, right? It I mean, who's going to hire that person, even if they're exonerated, because you would be afraid you're going to get into some federal crosshair, you know? Yep. Um, I, I mean, it's the whole thing is really jolting to for people who think that we have like this great justice system that that we we still believe that it that people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. I mean, that's kind of like doesn't even exist anymore. Certainly not <clears throat> culturally, right? I mean, you they may pretend to say that in a legal proceeding, but culturally you can't unbreak a plate, basically. Yeah, so, well, that's well said. That's right. Very just terrible. Um, Where are they, you, Republicans? Where are no, you? They're not. They don't. Word. Look. Julie, how can you ask them to take time away from important issues like continuing to fund this bullshit war in Ukraine yeah. to focus on this kind of stuff? I mean, it's very important, as Mitch McConnell, Cocaine Mitch, told us that the war in the Ukraine is the most important. Also, the war in the Ukraine that's getting billions of dollars and the, our elected officials are bristling at the idea that they have to should be an audit. For how this money is spent. This is basically the progressive enrichment scheme because all this money is just enriching progressives and progressive NGOs and all of these groups that are involved in the Ukraine war. And of course, not to mention the, the groups that will be involved in rebuilding Ukraine after we after our weapons destroyed 
you know, help destroy Ukraine, there will be all these uh, NGOs that will be getting mm-hmm. millions of dollars to help rebuild Ukraine. So lovely. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if we have a little bit of time of one other I, hot story. There's so much. The news cycle so many. so fast. Yes. So many things, a lot of stuff happening on Capitol Hill. Uh, Randy Weingarten claiming that they did not want to lock down schools. That was not her idea. They were trying to get back on track, which is just a provable lie. She should actually be charged now with perjury, but she won't. Um, You know, just a lot of other things coming out related to the lockdowns. There was the hearing. Liz, you could talk a little bit more about this quickly. The um, uh, House Judiciary uh, committee who held a hearing about the really heartbreaking and just repulsive child trafficking happening at the border, which Democrats who were crying, you know, outside of whatever cages a couple of years ago, just cages, do not yeah. care um, about what's happening. Really horrific stories there. So just um, a lot of different things. Chris Ray testified yesterday, didn't have a chance to cover that because I was uh, had a bunch of hits and then was covering the Proud Boys stuff, but I will catch up with that. So um, lot lot breaking every day. And Joe Biden announced his uh, reelection and opened his video, video announcement with scenes from January 6th. So that will be a central part of his campaign as well. Do we even know that he it's him in the video? Like with AI being so good and me not thinking Joe Biden is capable of like maintaining a level of lucidity for more than like 45 seconds. I feel like it's probably some kind of hologram right. video. Yeah. Also, I think he's not going to, no, I, I think he said he's not, there's, oh, he, yeah, he won't be participating in a Democrat primary debate. So Joe Biden has just quickly two challengers, Marianne Williamson, um, the Oprah, former Oprah guru, of kind of like religious leader. And then um, Robert Kennedy Jr., who was so vocal and gained so much respect for his battle against Fauci and the vaccines and all of the sort of healthcare trauma that was foisted upon the U.S. for three years. Um, but uh, but Kennedy's polling at, I saw 19 percent, which is yeah, really not good. Yes. 19 percent. That is just really bad news for Joe Biden. Um, But I'll leave you, our listeners, with this thought, which is what are they cooking up? What have they been cooking up and what do they continue to cook up that they feel secure in, like, letting Joe Biden run for reelection? Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I mean, they've got we are two years behind. Always. So while we're figuring out what they did in 2020, they've got they're doing a whole new plan. And by the time we we're done with that, there'll be a whole new thing we have to unravel if we're not all in prison. So anyway, thank you for listening to Happy Hour. We apologize because we have not been here for two weeks, but we'll do we'll be better, do better. Um, And if you haven't subscribe to get alerted to when we do have a new podcast. So you want to go to iTunes, Happy Hour with Julian Liz. Have a wonderful weekend with your family. Um, I'm raising my fist for Tucker. Go Tucker. Um, And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.